The following shiur is delivered by Rabbi Mordechai Lebhar, Rosh Kolel at Link of Los Angeles. For more information or shiurim, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Okay, we are going to discuss a very interesting topic today that comes up in Parashat Bo that really is relevant to many, many different questions we have when faced with situations of danger, whether to enter danger or not. In this week's parasha, we see by parashat bo that there was, the makad barad was falling, and it was a danger to be outside. It was a danger to be outside. And uh, if a person would be outside, he has a very high risk of getting killed. So, Moshe Rabbeinu tells Am Yisrael to go in and not to, uh, and that way they shouldn't be harmed. Now the question is asked the following. Let's say somebody is in a situation of danger and he does not want to necessarily go into a bunker and shield himself from the danger. Now it could be by Parashat Bo, it was almost sure that he would die, so that wouldn't be a, uh, that wouldn't be a good example, but using this, uh, this scenario as a springboard to ask the following question, what would be if somebody is going to be in a situation where he is not sure if he's going to be in imminent danger? Uh, the sirens are blasting and he doesn't know if being in a bunker is better or not. It's a very, very uh, far out chance. So there's actually a story brought down in a newspaper called Digelenu that over there it's brought down that by the early, early uh, years of the state of Israel, could be even before, there was uh, all types of bombings that would happen in Palestine or in Israel. And people came to the Chazonish and they asked him whether they are obligated in running to the bunker or not. And it wasn't, it was a situation where it wasn't imminent risk. Obviously everybody would say you have to go into the, into the bunker. But it was a, it was a far, far out chashash. And there was a question of violating Shabbat in order to get to these bunkers. So people didn't want to always go. And violate Shabbat. So the Chazanish said a very interesting answer. Chazanish said, it really depends upon the level of bitachon of a person. It really depends on the midat bitachon of a person. If a person has enough um, bitachon, so he doesn't have to go in. Say, you know what, every bullet has its address, and I'm not concerned. But if a person is scared, he could violate Shabbat. Turns out that you could have one person on one side of the road being Michalil Shabbat and the other person not in the exact same scenario. And it's a very, very difficult, it's a very difficult uh, psak to comprehend. But the truth is, I found this psak very similar in the Chazanish in Hilchot Shabbat Siman Nun Tet Odbet in regards to cooking for a child who needs uh, food. And, and, uh, it could mess up the child's, uh, um, food pattern if you, if you don't give him the proper food that he needs. And the Chazanish says over there also, somebody who's lenient 
and he doesn't do this, and he's on bidat bitachon, he has what to rely on. Otherwise, he's allowed to be mechalel shabbat. So there's certain cases where we see that there is a principle of pikuach nefesh, but on the other hand, but on the other hand, you could rely not to be mechalel shabbat or not to do it, even if you're going to enter in pikuach nefesh. It's a very, very dangerous principle. What would this mean? That, uh, that, that if somebody's life is in danger, then he shouldn't be Mechel Shabbat. We know that that's not true. We know that the Yerushalmi tells us that a rabbi who doesn't preach that it's, uh, that, that, that he's allowed to be Mechel Shabbat and it's a mitzvah to violate Shabbat when his life is in danger. So he is to blame. It's as if he, uh, he, he, he spilled the blood over here. So obviously there seems to be a middle ground. And this will lead us to a question. Does somebody enter, is somebody allowed, um, not to enter a state of, 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 um, of potential, of potential, uh, sakana, something that might be dangerous, but he, he, he doesn't want to be worried about it. Uh, the classic case, the classic case would be the following. Ravavadya Yosef, has a teshuva in Yabiya Omer, Chelek Aleph, his earliest volume, in Yoredea Simantet. And he was asked by his father-in-law the question, what about food that goes under the bed? We know that food that, it, that goes under one's bed is, is, um, is uh, forbidden to be eaten. And that's written explicitly in the Shulchan Aruch, Siman Kuftet Zayin. Shulchan Aruch doesn't write it's forbidden to be eaten, I'm sorry. The Shulchan Aruch writes that food that goes under, under someone's bed is, um, it, it, it has Ruach Ra. Now what happened if Bidiyevet, it went under, it went under the bed? What would be the Halakha then? So, here you have an interesting, uh, here, here you have an interesting question. If food that goes under one's bed, is it Asur Bidiyavad or not? So the Pitchet Teshuvah brings from the Shevut Yaakov. The Shevut Yaakov says that food that goes under, under one's bed, whether it's allowed to be Bidiyavad Eden or not, is a question. And he was asked the following question. If an Etrog went under someone's bed, could he use the Etrog? Etrog has to be uh, Ra'ui to be used. And he brings a very interesting proof that it should be allowed. Why? Because it's written in the Gemara that one is allowed to, not allowed to buy food from an Ama Aretz because it could be that he didn't tithe properly. Right? It could be he didn't tithe properly. Points out the Shvut Yaakov, why doesn't it say because he might have put the food under his bed? You see from over here, says the Shvut Yaakov, since the majority of the time he probably didn't put it under the bed, even though sometimes he could put the food under his bed, he's not careful about this. You see that you go according to the majority. And here you have a proof that even in a case of sakana, because it's a sakana to have something, it's a danger to eat something that has ruach ra on it. In a case of sakana, nevertheless, nevertheless, if, um, if, if, uh, you, you, you should be able to go according to the majority. It says the shput Yaakov. That's not true. We know that we don't usually go according to the majority when it comes to pikuach nefesh. By pikuach nefesh, we are choshesh even for the minority. Says the Shvut Yaakov, you see from over here that even in a case where 
where you should be choshesh for the minority and not have this food, it doesn't forbid it with the avad. The food is not forbidden with the avad. So once again, the Shavud Yaakov brings proof that food that goes under the bread, under the bed, is not forbidden with the avad. And he brings an interesting proof because otherwise you wouldn't be able to buy food from an Amma'aretz because of this reason. The Gemara gives another reason. Comes along Shedot Chuvot Lev Yam, who was one of the uh, European Sfarim, and Rav Ovad Yosef brings him down. He says, that's not a proof. He says, sometimes you do go according to the majority, even in a case of Pikuach Nefesh. And he points to a Gemara in Masechet Yoma, Ndaf Pedalid Amud Bet, I'm sorry. It's very complicated details, but there are certain scenarios in Masechet Yoma, Ndaf Pedalid Amud Bet, that you would go according to the majority and not uh, and not violate Shabbat, even in cases of Pikuach Nefesh. And the Gemara has a case where you have one group of people that it was the majority non-Jews and there was one Jew in this crowd and they moved from place to place and the Gemara says that there wasn't a kviut, there wasn't a stable, uh, they didn't have a stable place, there was no kavua Jew and somebody went out there and the rock fell on him and we don't know if it's Jewish or not. The Gemara says you go according to the majority you don't save that person. That's a one opinion, that's, a, that's, a, that's the opinion of Avrav. And you see from over there that there are times where you don't go, where you don't, where you're not choshesh for pikuach nefesh, and you go according to the rov. So says the Lev Yam, maybe the reason why you're allowed to buy from the Ma'aritz is not because food that's under the bed, bidiyavad is permitted. Really it's forbidden. But in the case of the Ma'aritz, the majority of the time you probably didn't put it under the bed, and you're allowed to rely on that majority. Rav Yosef brings this proof down, and he says Maran also holds this way, because he points to Maran in Evena Ezer Simandalit, that if you found a baby, an Asufi, in the middle of the road, and it's a place of most, most Goyim, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to, uh, uh, you don't have to be concerned that he's Jewish, regarding all those ramifications. And why don't you have to be concerned that he's Jewish? Because you go according to the Rav. So says Rav Avad Yosef, you see that, that, that Maran also held this way, that you, that, that, that sometimes you go according to the Rav. And he says with this, he could solve the question that the Prima Gadim has in Siman Kuf Ein Gimel in Orachaim. In a case of a Sfik Sfika, maybe there's a Sakana or not. Do you evoke, if you have two reasons to say that there shouldn't be a Sakana, do you say that still you're worried for Sakana or you go according to the majority? Says Rav Yosef, you see over here that when by a majority and stakes like as like a majority, you don't have to be concerned for Pikuach Nefesh. That is Rav Yosef's um, uh, say on the matter. And he says, therefore, uh, it, uh, therefore the, the, um, the, uh, the, the proof of the, uh, the proof of the Rashash I'm sorry, the Shavut Yaakov is not a conclusive proof. But nevertheless, he comes out that the food is mutar bidiyavad. Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, uh, Rabbi ben Siyon Abashol is more machmir in, in or Litzion. And he says that you shouldn't consume food that went under the bed, uh, went under the bed, even bidiyavad, only in a case of great loss. It's a separate machloket. But I wanted to bring out an important point. Gets a little bit complicated how you see it. But you see that there are certain cases where you don't have to be worried of a chashash of danger, and you go over to the majority. The question is, when do you apply this case or not? Rav Yosef says it applies even in a case 
that that the majority of the time you know that ma'aretz wouldn't put wouldn't to put something under the bed. So I would like to suggest that it could be that there is a difference between a ma'aretz and a ma'aretz putting something under the bed, and in that specific case, it could be that we say that we um, that we will go accord that we that. Uh, it, it, it could be that in, I'm sorry, in the case of a Sufi, in the case where you find a baby, in that specific case, we go according to the majority and we don't have to save the baby, like Maran writes in Siman Dalit, because you have a clear majority in front of you of Goyim. It's called Ruba de Itakaman. Since you have a clear majority in front of you, you don't have to be concerned about the minority of, uh, that this baby might be Jewish because it's a clear majority and that Amban writes that there's no kivyut there because it could be it's coming from a different city. There's many reasons to say that there's, it's not coming from a house in the neighborhood there's a kivyut. That's a clear majority of Ruba de Itakaman. But Ruba de Kaman, there's no way of me knowing the majority of times that the Amarits put things here or put things there. It's an assumption based on statistics. That's called the Ruba de In that scenario, you have to be concerned for the minority. Just like every other case of Pikuach Nefesh, you don't go according to the Rov. And therefore, it could very well be that in a case where you have, <coughs> you have a scenario of, of danger, and this danger is imminent because it might, you know, there's bombs that are coming. But statistically, there's no way of knowing whether it's going to cause you danger or not. You absolutely could be mechalel Shabbat for such a thing. That's what the Chazunish said. The Chidush of the Chazunish is telling us a step further. He's telling us that even in a case where you're allowed to be mechalel Shabbat, on something that's so far off and no waiver of really knowing... Then there's something called midat habitachon. But this is something that depends upon each and every person. And my words shouldn't be understood. If you're in a case where, if you're in a case where you're, you have a ailment or you have a question in your body that it might be a sakana, you have to be mechalel shabbat. In a case where it's very far out, you're still able to be mechalel shabbat and that's where the chazanish says is middle ground. The only case where you will not go, we worried about Pikuach Nefesh, you could rely on the majority that it's not called Pikuach Nefesh, it's a very, very specific case where it's called Aruba de Itakaman. So getting back to the case of somebody found with, with bombs raining on him, he better go under a bunker because that's called Aruba de Itakaman, even if he has to violate Shabbat. And uh, by food going under the bed, so that already is going to be complicated if there's a proof from the fact that the Ma'aretz might have put the food under his bed and you might be buying you might be buying that food and it might be dangerous or not. Do you rely on a rov, which is the way the Lev Yam understood, and Ravovadia Yosef understood as well, or you say that you didn't go according to the rov? Hashem should always make sure that we are always healthy and we never get into situations of Sakana Amenkediratson. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakha consultation, monetary beddin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, 
or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at theshc.org to subscribe.